Welcome to Life Center today. We're glad you're here. And, um, yeah, man, isn't the presence of God just amazing? It can do in five minutes what we can't do in six months. That's just how the presence of God works. When we, when we open our hearts and open our minds to his presence and his power, and, and we completely just let him do what, what he wants to do in us, miraculous things can happen. Miraculous things can and will happen. I believe that with all of my heart. Wow, glad you're here. Missed you last Sunday. We, we took Taylor to college for a weekend. And um, we were actually visiting a church while y'all were having church. Then on the four-hour drive home, we watched church as much as we could through the mountains. And it was spotty. And Taylor's like, Dad, can you do it later? Because it kept freezing. And I'm like, no, I want it now. But okay, I'll wait. But <laughs> I'm loving this blessed series. Uh, you know, sometimes some of the, of the things in the Word of God can make us a little bit uncomfortable. And some of the things in the Word of God can make us uncomfortable teaching these things. But we're, we're on a road to living a blessed life. Who wants, who wants to have a blessed life and leave a godly legacy for your family? Yeah. See, it's not, just about, it's not just about what we have right now. It's not just about what I can do and what I can possess and how much money I can have and what my 401k says or my, my uh, Roth, whatever it is. It's not just about those things. It's about leaving a legacy of godliness to my family. What a great message last week. And I, I encourage this. If you can't be here on a Sunday, please Facebook Live watch service. But if you can be here, be here. Because there is no substitute for being in the room when it happens. Is that right? So if you're watching Facebook Live, awesome. We're glad you're here and we celebrate with you. But if you can be in the house, be in the house. And we're continuing our blessed series today. Next week will be our last week. It's going to be a good one. So make sure that you're here. It's going to send us off into December when we're doing a series called I Am. It's going to be good. You do not want to miss a Sunday in December because we're, we're talking about who God is to us. And it is going to be amazing. So we've been living in, in Romans 12 too. because it, it, it's, it's everywhere we've been talking about. It's everywhere that we find ourselves because it's all about our mindset. Because our mind controls our actions. As a man thinks in his heart, some of y'all are finishing it, so is he. As we think... If we think we're awesome, we're going to be awesome. If we think that we're a loser, guess what we're going to be? We're going to be a loser. We, we had basketball practice this week, and, and one of a, a player that's near and dear to my heart said a derogatory statement about herself. And I said, no, we're not going to have that. You don't. Mm, you're awesome. And you can do whatever you set your mind to. We're going to be great. We're not going to. Because mm, I'm not going to say that right here. So... However we think, that's how we are. Romans 12, 2 says this, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed how? Not by what you do. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means your mindset changes. Then, after that, you'll be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We learn from reading the Word of God and from teaching that we hear that, that almost every Every biblical principle, and I said this in a small group last week, 
Every biblical principle that leads to blessing is countercultural. Let that sink in for a minute. Everything that the, that the Word of God teaches us about blessing and obtaining blessing and walking in God's will is counter, countercultural, meaning it, it contradicts what we're taught by society. Society says, get all you can get, and it's yours. And you're self-made and all these things. And the word of God directly opposes that. Furthermore, biblical principles like biblical stewardship that lead to blessing, they're not only counter-cultural, but they're counter-intuitive. Which means it doesn't make sense to us. It's not who we are naturally. We're not bent to that. We're not bent to giving. We're not bent to sharing. Because everything is ours from the time we're this tall. It's mine. So this, with this dilemma being taught and influenced... One thing by society and another through study of God's word, what, what, what can we do? We make a decision to Romans 12 too. We make a decision to follow biblical principles, even if they contradict society and go against our own understanding or predisposed instincts, because we trust God, and we trust his word, and he is sovereign, and his word is infallible, and it, it goes throughout history and goes into the future. So before I go into the main message, I have a story I want to share that's going to link to what we're doing. When, when I was 12, we moved to, from Kentucky to Indiana, and uh, I lived there until I went in the Marine Corps. And then I had, I had a friend that we liked cars, and we did all sorts of stuff together, and he was a couple years older than me. And he had this car. He lives in, he lives in Missouri now. But he's a few years older, and we spent a lot of time together. He had an orange 1975 Camaro. It wasn't. An amazing car, but it was a fun car, and and we did we lived in a rural area. The population I looked it up last night. The population today is six thousand seven hundred, so it's not even Essex, okay? Six thousand seven hundred and twenty-seven to be exact by the last census. So we'd play car games with with other friends. There wasn't much else to do in town except play basketball or get in trouble. So we played car games. Car C A R, not card. Car games like hide and seek. That's fun. Dangerous at times, but fun. So like hide and seek and things like that. The only thing with cars at, at night with no headlights. So fun times. Kids, don't do this. I will never forget one night on a back road, probably at above the posted speed limit. We're driving with no headlights because we're getting away from somebody who's playing hide and seek. So we're getting away, and we're, we're going down this country, one-and-a-half-lane road, and what we didn't realize, there were train tracks up there. And if you, if you, out in the country at all, you know, train tracks here, you like go over and boop-boop, boop-boop. It's like a little blip, a little rough spot in the road. But out in the country, train tracks are usually four or five or six feet elevated off the surface of the road, and you drive up to the railroad track. Well, if you hit a railroad track going about... I don't know, 60, 70 miles an hour. Something's going to happen. So we saw this railroad track, and it was too late, you know, because it was dark, and it, it, it's dark in the country. And all we had was a moon up in the sky. So we see this railroad track last time. We didn't say Jesus, but we, we hit that railroad track, and you would have thought that we were the Dukes of Hazard in an orange car because the car did leave the ground. And it flew for a minute, and then it landed, 
and it hit really hard and scraped and all kinds of stuff, and we had to stop to make sure that all the pieces and parts were still on the car. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So, yeah, God watches over us, even in our stupidity. But I said all that to say this. Whenever we would separate, whenever he would go home or I would go home, he would always say one thing. Keep it between the ditches. That was always his parting statement. Keep it between the ditches. Who's ever driven into a ditch? Five, six of y'all. Last year, my neighbor, we have, at the end of our road, we have this big ditch. It's probably six feet deep. And my neighbor, my neighbor drove into this ditch, and I had to go pull him out with my truck. It's, ditches are a place to avoid. You, you mess things up. You hurt things when you go into a ditch, especially with a car. So we're going to talk about two ditches today, and I said all that for this. We're going to talk about two ditches that border the road to blessing. And we're going to talk about how to stay out of them. Is that okay? All right, here we go. Today, I want you to leave here determined that you are going to keep it between the ditches. Thank you. You're tracking. You're with me. If you pull back a little bit and do a, a higher view of, of what's going on, not just what's happening today, you're going to see that through, the, through three series that we've taught in the past two years, we're leading you on a road to living, not just having a blessing not just having a momentary success or a momentary thing that you can say, oh, this is awesome, but leading you to living a blessed life. Not just a one-time event, not a one-time high, but a life that is blessed, a life of blessing. And there's, there's purpose to what is going on. And if you're paying attention, you're hearing principles that will radically change your life and it will un, it'll unleash blessings of God in your life, in the life of your family. But in that equation, the only variable, God is constant. He said, I am God and I change not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only variable in this equation is not God, it's us. So we have to make sure that we are aligned with the word of God. We have to implement principles in order to obtain the blessing, to fulfill our purpose, and to leave a godly legacy and a blessed legacy. So let's talk about these ditches. When it comes to money and it comes to wealth, a healthy biblical road that leads to a life of blessing, it does have a ditch on each side. Satan wants to keep you. Satan is your enemy. And he wants to keep you from living a blessed life. He wants to keep you from obtaining the blessings of God. And most of all, he wants to keep you from being a positive impact on the kingdom of God. And these two ditches are here, and he doesn't really care which one you pick. He just wants you in one. And we'll visit that again in a little while, but he just wants you to, he doesn't care which one it is. He doesn't care which one affects your life. He just wants you to be in a ditch. But staying out of these ditches will lead you to a blessed life. It'll lead you to a life of tremendous impact in the kingdom of God. These ditches are called a poverty mindset. And then a prosperity or materialistic mindset. Two extremes on each side of the road. Notice they both include mindset. They both result from the way we think. Why do you think we're staying in Romans 12 too so much? Because the way we think dictates who we will be. It dictates what we will have. And it dictates whether or not we will have a positive impact in the kingdom of God. It's all about mindset. 
Behind both mistakes or, or both ditches is a, is a common spirit, and it's an ancient and demonic spirit. And we'll identify it in just a little while. So we're going to look at these two ditches. And you, everybody say me. me. You can decide at the end of today if you're in one or if you've been in one. And if you aren't in one, you can make sure that you stay out of it. So let's start with this ditch of poverty mindset. You may think that's the most absurd thing that you've ever heard, a mindset of poverty. So it's not new. You may not have heard of it, but it's not new. People began taking vows of poverty, a vow of poverty thousands of years ago. As a matter of fact, the church was born in thir about 30 AD, somewhere in there. Within 100 years of the church being born, a man named Terulian began writing about the evil of possessions and the evil of money. He and his followers renounced their claim to any earthly possessions. They weren't going to own anything. And some believers have viewed possessions and money and retirement accounts and wealth as evil. After all, doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? Oh, y'all are awesome. Doesn't it all, didn't Jesus him say, blessed are the poor? You see what? Just leaving out a word. Leaving out an inferred meaning can completely change and ruin the meaning of God's word. These are manipulated half-truths that Satan uses to steer us toward the ditch of poverty. It's actually called asceticism. And, and Martin Luther, after he was delivered, he was actually, hey, he fell into this trap, but he was delivered from this. He wrote that a person who views silver and gold as evil is silly because these things can be used for the kingdom of God. Basically, this mindset, does, that it says that money is evil, possessions are bad, and the poorest among us is the most spiritual. Do I have any spiritual people in the house today? <laughs> You're like, I fit this category. I'm the poorest among us. We can have a poor contest. We laugh, but it's, it's a mindset that if I don't have anything, if I, if I declare that I'm poor, if I declare that possessions don't rule me, then I will be the most spiritual person and I will be the closest to God. So how, we're talking about Martin Luther and all these people way back when, so how in 2019 does the mindset of poverty manifest itself because it is a spirit and it's still alive and well? If you're in this ditch, this spirit will whisper things into your spirit and influence, influence your actions and your reactions. Here's what it's going to whisper to you. The spirit of poverty will, will tell you that stuff comes from the devil. It's a lie. All good things come from the Father. The spirit of poverty tells us to be ashamed of our stuff. Oh, this is where we're going to get some traction. You may not think possessions are evil. You may not articulate that. But the spirit of poverty will tell you to be ashamed of your stuff, to be ashamed of your accomplishments, to be ashamed of the raise you got, to be ashamed of your new car. Hmm. If we believe that stuff is evil, we're going to be ashamed of what we have. It's, sim it's, it's simple logic. Most believers, most people in this room, actually all of you, none of you will be convinced to join a monastery and give up everything you have. 
I don't see any of us doing that. <laughs> nope, no thank you. It's not going to happen. But that spirit may influence you just enough to be ashamed of the blessings of God in your life. And it's still accomplishing its purpose. Oh, y'all, there's some stuff here. We, 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 got, we got to get it. The spirit of poverty tries to make us think and portray that we paid less than we really did. When a friend compliments, just go with me. When a friend compliments you on a new item, do you feel the need to downplay the cost of said item? Oh, man, I like those shoes. I got these things 76% off. Can you believe that? They were $100. I got them for $24. you are not just proud of your frugalness. You're downplaying what God has blessed you with because you're ashamed of it. Oh, it's going to get in your business, I promise. See, the spirit of poverty is subtle. It wants to put you in a place where instead of giving God glory for what he's done for you, you're downplaying it by saying, it's not all that really. It's, 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 it's no big deal. And there's a flip side of that we're going to talk about in a minute. But don't fall into the trap of downplaying everything that God has blessed you with. Don't tell them just how cheap you got it or that it was a gift. Do you feel ashamed or do you feel shame when somebody notices something that you have? Does it make you feel weird and get that little clench feeling and, and, and you don't want people to think you're materialistic, but God has blessed you with this and it's awesome? You know what I'm talking about because we felt those feelings. It's the spirit of poverty whispering in your ear, possessions are bad. You shouldn't have this. You don't deserve this. Ah, come on. You don't deserve this because of who you've been. You don't deserve this because of who you are. But see, that's the spirit of poverty whispering in your ear because the spirit of poverty is a demonic spirit, and he doesn't want you to realize who you are. He doesn't want you to realize whose you are, and he doesn't want you to realize what you really do have access to. And if he can keep you in that ditch with a poverty mindset, he's going to keep you in this little box, and you're going to be where you're going to be. The spirit of poverty makes us feel the need to justify everything we have. I need a nicer car because I transport clients. Otherwise, a junker will be just fine for me. You lying. <laughs> Nobody wants to drive a junker. You all want the nicest car you can have. So don't let the spirit of poverty tell you to lie to somebody, oh, I'd be fine with just any old piece of junk, just as long as it gets me back and forth. Bless the Lord. No. No. Kick the spirit of poverty to the curb, climb up out of the ditch, and let's be honest. The strap broke on my purse. I had to break down and buy a new one. No. You wanted that thing. And you bought it. Here's a, here's a good one. We didn't really want to buy a bigger house, but we wanted to host small groups and have more Bible studies. I'm going to take a step back from you, because if lightning does strike, I don't want to be singed. No, it's the spirit of poverty telling you to justify the blessing of the new house that God blessed you with. If your house poor, we'll talk about you in a minute. But don't justify everything that God has blessed you with. That's the spirit of poverty. You are, you are living in a ditch, and you are not going to be effective in the kingdom of God. That one has layers. 
If these are familiar, you're going to recognize the next symptom because the spirit of poverty tries to make us feel guilty for God's blessings. Because maybe, see how quiet that got right then? It's not just the heat tearing off. (laughs) If you live by biblical principles, you are going to be blessed. You can't stop them. You cannot stop the blessings of God. You cannot stop. Like it or not, it's going to happen. They're going to come. But the spirit of poverty wants you to be ashamed or feel guilty that God is blessing you. Hey, I heard you got a promotion. Well, you know, it's just, it's no big deal. Yeah, it is. It is a big deal because you're, you're being faithful and you're living by principles that God has put in place and he's blessing you. And instead of saying, yeah, you, you don't want to say, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm all that. I'm, I'm that and a bag of chips. I have all the gifts. You don't want to have that approach. But you want, you want to be able to say, yes, I'm so thankful. It's a blessing from God. Instead of taking that credit for yourself, you're deflecting that credit to God and giving him glory. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole reason why you have what you have. God is a God of growth. He's a God of increase. His first, Adam and Eve, he created created Adam. He pulled a rib out of Adam. He created Eve. What did he tell them? Be fruitful and multiply. To cultivate the garden. Why? So it will bear more fruit. Not just leave it the way it is. Make it better. He expects his stewards to multiply what he's entrusted to them. And doing things God's way and and applying biblical principles results in blessing. It results in increase, and it results in growth. I really wish some some people in this room that that live a a blessed life, and you've got biblical principles of giving in place, and God has blessed you, I really wish you would start a small group and teach people how to live this way. I've said it in passing, but I'm going to say it publicly. You need to start a small group and pass this knowledge and this passion and this burden on to somebody else because you're living, you're living according to the Bible, and God has and is blessing you, and he will continue to do so. But some of us need to understand how this works and be encouraged because faith comes by what? By hearing. And when you share your story with somebody, it's going to increase somebody's faith. Start a small group. There you go. That's my plug. The spirit of poverty would have us view these blessings suspiciously or feel guilty about having them. And all that being said, a significant house cleaning or shedding of stuff can be an important step of getting out of the other ditch. And that's the ditch of prosperity or materialism. So if one ditch says possessions are bad and they're evil and to be ashamed of what you have, you can imagine what the other ditch is talking about. You can, you can just, if, it's not just the error of, of a mindset of poverty that we need to avoid. The other ditch tells us to put things in a place that only God is supposed to occupy. Over here, stuff's bad, but over here, stuff is everything. Materialism takes a good thing that God gives us and makes it the ultimate thing. That car you have that God gave you suddenly becomes your idol. That house that God gave you suddenly becomes a centerpiece of your life. Oh, oh. The stuff that God has allowed you to put in that house suddenly becomes almost more important than anything else. In the same way that Christians have, some Christians have embraced poverty mindset, others have embraced the prosperity gospel, and that's a lie too. 
God's not a vending machine. It's not Monopoly. You can't have, because you give $5, don't expect $500. It does, it does not work that way. The second ditch says, I have to accumulate as much as I can. When the, when the spirit of poverty says that stuff comes from Satan, materialism convinces us that we earned it. See, there's a difference in, in having a mindset of God is blessing me versus a mindset of I earned it and I deserve it. See, then you're elevating yourself to a position that you can't occupy. We, we can't own that spot. It leads to this. In Mark 4, 19, the scripture says, but, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, <coughs> making it unfruitful. That means your desire for more and your materialistic desires and wants and wants and wants and wants choke out the word of God that says if I live a principled life by, by the principles and teachings of the word of God, I will, I will be blessed. But the spirit of materialism says I will be blessed if I have to bless myself. That I'm going to have this no matter what. I'm going to push until I make X amount of dollars no matter what. Everything I have is mine. I'm not sharing any of it. I'm not going to practice biblical stewardship because it's mine, and I get to say <laughs> what I do with what I have. That's the mentality of the spirit. As, as much as the spirit of poverty whispers and says that everything is bad and, and don't claim it and, and it's all this stuff, this other ditch over here says, it's yours, you earned it, keep it, you have every right to it. In reality, to the blessings of God. The spirit of materialism constantly whispers things like this. Significance and security come from nice things. They come from money. If you had more money, you would be happy. You're falling behind. Others are doing better than you. Oh, others have more than you. More money would solve all of your problems. You and your hard work are responsible for your success. See, it's easy for us to get into a place where we're experiencing the, 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 the wind of God in our sails and we're experiencing a change in our, in our life and we're, we're in a position where we're getting elevated, we're making more money, we're doing better. It's easy for us to get to a place where we deserve it. And it's easy for us to get to a place where we can say, I did this. I'm hustling. It's my hustle that's gotten me where, where I am. It's my tenacity that's gotten me where I am. It's my beast mode. We're going to talk about the beast in a little while, but not the one you're wanting to talk about. <laughs> I promise I'm going to talk about it in a minute. <laughs> your hard work are, and, and, and your, your drive are responsible for your success and where you are and the money you have. And it only makes sense when you have more money to buy more stuff. Isn't that logic? Man, you get more money instead of, instead of driving a Honda. You can drive whatever you want to. I'm not going to name cars. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Instead of driving a, a little... Who, who remembers Yugos? I'm dating myself. But back in the 90s, there was this car called a Yugo. Y-U-G-O. You didn't go very far. This car cost $3,000 brand new. It had a three-cylinder engine. My mower has a three-cylinder engine. That puts it in perspective, right? My mower has a three-cylinder diesel engine, and, and this car had a three-cylinder engine. So 
You may not have to drive a Yugo, but it doesn't mean, let's, let's, let's go to Maybach. You don't have to drive a Maybach. How's that? Nobody in here has one of those. Just because you make more money doesn't mean you have to have a Maybach. When you see something nice a friend has gotten, instead of simply celebrating with them, your first question is, where'd you get it? Because you're going to go buy it. Because you can't have somebody doing better than you because you're materialistic. Ouch. Instead of saying, that's awesome, congratulations, I'm happy for you, you start devising a way to have that thing. That's a ditch called materialism. It's called a ditch that says, I have to have what you have. Or I have to have, if, if, you, if you bought a laptop and paid 800 bucks, I'm going to buy one for 1000 Because I'm going to have more memory or a faster processor or something like that. It's materialism. There was a study done that by the time a person is 20 years old, they have already ex- been exposed to one million commercials. And what do commercials tell us? Buy, buy, buy. Have more. Have this brand. Have this style. Have these quantities in place. You need more. You deserve more. You're incomplete unless you get more. And you'd be happier if you have more. It's the spirit. It's the mindset of materialism. And scripture deals with these impulses with this. In 1 John 2, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Notice it didn't say cars, houses, clothes. It it named a spirit because it's not the car that drives your desires. It's not the clothes that drive your desires. It's a spirit that drives your desires. In In this case, it's lust. Materialism attaches your self-worth to your net worth. Oh. Does, if you've ever been in a place where you have no money in the bank, you know you have bills coming to the bank that there isn't enough money to cover, you're putting $2 in your gas tank, which back in the day that got you a two and a half gallons. But now it, does, it, it might get you one gallon. You put $2 in your gas tank. My wife and I have gone to McDonald's and split a value meal before when they were $2.99. We each get a cheeseburger, half a fry, share a Coke, and then have some water. It works because you do what you have to do. You know how that feels. You know the angst of not having any money. You know if you blow a tire, your car is stuck. It's done. It's dead because you can't buy a new tire. You're in a place where it doesn't feel good. But then you all... Most of us probably understand the fact or the feeling when you've got a little cushion in your checking account. And that feeling that comes with that. And it's a feeling of relief. It's a feeling of security. You know, if you blow a tire, you can buy a tire if you need to. Or if you go to McDonald's, you can have your very own value meal. But now they're eight bucks. Or you can go to Chick fil A and buy a salad for 11. Why is it cheaper to kill yourself than it is to be healthy? Food that gets processed through a factory that have enough toxins to kill you and cause cancer is cheaper than something that grows out of the dirt that will, that will be healthy for you. It doesn't make any sense. 
But materialism attaches your self-worth to your net worth, and that's not what God intends. This mindset takes our attention from God and puts it on stuff, and that's the goal of this mindset, and that's the goal of the other mindset. They both have the same goal. One is, one is for poverty, one is for materialism. They both have the same goal of taking your mind off of God and putting it on stuff. Over here, stuff is bad. Over here, stuff is everything. In the center of that road is the will of God. And that's where we need to be. Everybody say, I'm going to stay out of the ditch. There will never be enough. The Bible says the, the eyes of man are never full. That means we, there's always something else that we want. I challenge you two weeks ago to take an inventory of your stuff. I'm not going to ask questions. But I hope some of you went home and, and walked through your house. I hope some of you went home and opened closet doors and opened drawers and all those things to see where you are in your pursuit of stuff. About a year ago, I decided to clean out my T-shirts. Who likes T-shirts? Anybody? My daughter's hand just shot straight up. She comes to my closet down and gets my T-shirts. I like T-shirts. And I decided I was going to clean out my T-shirts. And I, I went and you know, I had like four or five, six stacks in the floor. And they're all folded nicely and square and proportional and all this kind of stuff. And I start going through. Okay, I can get rid of this one. I can get rid of this one. I can get rid of this one. I got rid of over 50 T-shirts. Yeah. True story. But you, you, here's the thing. I still had 60. <laughs> the eyes of man are never full. Because if I see a cool t-shirt, you know what I'm going to do? If it's, especially if it's on sale. If it's 15 bucks or under, that baby's mine. And if I, it's just the way it is. I like t-shirts. They're cool. Y'all get it? That's just, that's just where we are. Do an inventory of your life. Look at your t-shirt section of your closet. It's that simple. But it, puts, it, it, it sheds a light on who we are. It sheds a light on our mentality. How big is your closet? Is it full? How many closets do you have? Uh, <laughs> see, I got a little something right there. Satan doesn't care which ditch you fall into as long as you're in one because both serve his purpose. And that's to take your focus off of God and his kingdom. They both remove you. Listen to this. They both remove you from faithful kingdom stewardship. And with either one, you've given money and stuff a place in your life it should never have because both ditches will rob you of peace. With one over here, it's all bad. But with one over here, you never have enough. Man, you get a car, and it's got all kinds of options, and you're happy for six months. A new one comes out, and it's got more stuff, or it's got bigger wheels or something, or it's got whatever. And you're like, oh, man, I wish I had that one. That's just how we are. That's how we're wired. That's why I said at the very, at the very beginning of today that not only are principles in the Word of God counter-cultural, but they're counterintuitive, which means they fly in the face of how we operate and how we're wired. But both rob us of peace and both have one thing in common. And I'm going to hurry now, but I'm going to pause right here. It's a demonic spirit that Jesus identified as the spirit of mammon. 
Everybody say mammon. That's a weird word. Mammon. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The NIV says money, but Jesus used the word mammon here. The word he used here means treasure or riches. It's also the name of the Chaldean god of riches. It's a spirit that exploits human greed. It promises things that God provides. Remember I said earlier that we put things in place of God? This spirit promises stuff to us that God provides. You can do this. You've got this. You're smart enough. You're talented enough, and, 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 and people like you. Nobody got that. Nobody watched Saturday Night Live back in the 80s and 90s, I guess. This spirit exploits human greed. In a very real, in a very real sense, the spirit of mammon is actually an antichrist spirit. And see, now, now some of us are going to get freaked out a little bit. It's an antichrist spirit. In Revelation 13, the antichrist, yeah, him, the beast, that beast. In Revelation 13, the Antichrist uses economic power to subdue the world. Not military power, not nuclear bombs. He uses economic power. He uses mammon. He doesn't rule through the threat of war, but he rules through the threat of not being able to what? Buy or sell. His threat is through the power of money. So is money evil? Doesn't the Bible say that money is evil? It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So how do we deal with this? What's right? How do I stay on the road and out of the ditch? If you teach your kids that money is the answer to all their problems, they're going to grow to serve money. They're going to grow to serve mammon. If you teach them that everything is God's and we are his stewards... We're his managers, and he supplies everything. They're going to grow to serve him. So let's adopt this mindset today. All these things that the Spirit is whispering in our ears for this ditch or this ditch, let's, let's be transformed by renewing our mind with these principles today. I put God first because he loves me and has redeemed me. <laughs> Come on. I put God first. Because he loves me and he redeemed me. That's why I do what I do. I gratefully receive anything God puts in my hand. See, I didn't earn this. It's not because of my, of my smarts or my hustle or my beast mode. I gratefully receive anything that God puts in my hand. I will faithfully steward what he has entrusted to me. That's where some of y'all going to fall off. But I will faithfully steward what he has entrusted to me. We see tithing as the goal, as the ultimate thing. Somebody said in our small group this week that this is all, tithing is only the beginning. Because that's God's. It's not even ours. Oh, see, it's going to be quiet right here. Y'all were excited when I, when I talked about what God's put in your hands. I will gratefully receive everything God puts in my hands. Yes, I want it all. And I do. I want every blessing God has for me. But the next piece is I will faithfully steward what he has entrusted to me. And then, and then this one. I will hold his blessings with an open hand. Ah, uh, there's, there's power in this. 
There's power right here. I will, I will hold his blessings in the open hand, prepared to give or distribute them as he directs. <laughs> Never forgetting that they are his. And I am his. What he gives me is in my open palm. I'm not grasping it. I'm not holding on to it. I don't have a death grip on my money. I don't have a death grip on my time or my talent. See, just because you're a servant doesn't mean you're a giver. Some people serve instead of giving. When you marry those two, you're going to unleash power in your life that you have never experienced before. I'm talking about living a blessed life and leaving a godly legacy. When you marry service and giving, oh my goodness. If you hold one out, if you serve so you don't have to give your money, or if you give your money so you don't have to serve, sorry, you're still going frustrated. But I will never forget that everything I have is his, and I am his. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. The gospel is neither a poverty gospel, nor is it a prosperity gospel. Second Corinthians says this, God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, those are absolutes. They're not situational and in all things at all times. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That means you're serving him. His blessings aren't always material or measured in dollars, and I've I'm, I'm, I'm got my turbo boosters on right now. We're blessed through redemption. We're blessed with protection. We're blessed with direction for our lives. We're blessed with provision for our lives. All blessings, all from our Heavenly Father. Those are all blessings. It's a blessed life. We can't forget where they come from. It's God's will for us to be a blessing and be blessed. Be blessed to be a blessing. We've all heard that before, but here's the hook. God's not into stuff. He doesn't care about the stuff. He cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. The key to stewardship is not putting your focus on getting more, nor is it putting a focus on having less. It's neither one of those. Get that out of your mind. The goal is to focus on God with gratitude and joy for the privilege of knowing him and being blessed by him. When we know, I'm not talking about when we think or we acknowledge, when we know that we are God's and everything we have is God's, when we celebrate that, when we live by that, we're walking the middle of the road. We're not in a ditch. We're being good stewards. We're heading in the direction of blessing. We're heading in the direction of favor with purpose. And we're heading in the direction of legacy. Let's stand together. The only variable in all that, the only variable in, our, in this equation of blessing and purpose and destiny and legacy, all those awesome buzz keywords that we love so much, the only variable in all of that is us. Because God is the constant, and I am the wild card. And if I am to live a blessed life, if I am to, to walk in purpose, if I am to stay in the middle of this road, if I am to leave a godly and blessed legacy for my family, then I must be transformed in my mind first. Because the transformation of my mind transforms everything that I am and everything that I will be. When I'm transformed in my mind, change will follow. Change will follow. My goal for you today, my prayer for you today, is what my buddy used to say every time he left, keep it between the ditches.
It's, it sounds like a redneck thing to say. It is. It is. It's all the way redneck. It's okay. I embrace that. It's fun. But why did I tell that stupid story about a car flying through the air and us thinking we're going to die and saying stuff I can't say in church? All that stuff. Why did I say all that stuff? So that something will stick in your mind. When you feel bad about a promotion, when you feel bad about the balance in your checking account, not that it's low, but when you have a good balance in your checking account and you feel that pang of guilt, instead of saying or having those feelings of, uh, this is bad, I don't deserve this, it's just me, I don't deserve this, instead of having those feelings, you can just say, God, thank you. Thank you. I know that I made a commitment to you to put these principles in place in my life. And God, I'm seeing the fruit of that. And I want to stand here today grateful for the blessings in my life. You know what you did right there? You were driving along that road to blessing. You're driving on that road to legacy and prosperity and all that stuff. And, and your tire started sliding off in that ditch with those feelings of guilt and being ashamed of what God has given you. And in that moment where you said, God... Thank you for what you've given me. I appreciate the gifts in my life. You just saved yourself out of that ditch. You just corrected the right amount, and you're back on that road. You're back between the ditches. And conversely, when, when, you see, when you're driving down a road and you got new tires on your car, the Bluetooth works, the heater works, the seats aren't ripped, you're feeling good about yourself, you just got it waxed, and it's all pretty and shiny, and you're, you're feeling like all that. And you start to have those feelings of, Man, I'm awesome. Look what, look what I've been able to do. I started at the bottom and now I'm here. Look what I've gotten through my hard work and my, and my tenacity. Man, I stayed after it and I've been wanting this car for five years and I finally got it. And you start having those feelings of self-sufficiency and pride in your possessions. You can realize what's creeping into your spirit. And you can realize that spirit of mammon is whispering in your ear, look what you've done. Look what you have through your hard work, through your intelligence, through your education, all those things. Look where you've gotten yourself. And you can realize what's going on. Now you can identify this. Maybe before you couldn't. But after today, you have no excuse. You can, you can identify these things. And you say, oh, I realize what's going on. Thank you, Jesus, for the car that I'm driving right now. Thank you for the gift that you've given me. I appreciate what you've done in my life. I couldn't be where I am without you. Thank you for the blessings in my life. You just kicked the spirit of mammon out of the, out of the car. And the tires that were going in the ditch, you've corrected. Now you're back on the right road. Don't be proud of yourself. You're going to get back in the ditch. Thank God that he spoke to you. Thank God that you, you were positioned, that you had spent time in prayer with him and relationship with him that he could be louder than the spirit of mammon because if you don't he won't be and say thank you Jesus for where I am thank you for how you bless me thank you for the gifts in my life help me to be faithful in every area and you've just recentered yourself again trucking down the road with headlights on seeing the railroad tracks toward legacy prosperity blessing all the things that we want because we're centered and we're staying out of the ditches